Hey, Ms. Bahak here. And in this episode, I want to focus on sharing with you the weirdest thing that I learned from video editing for a classic car channel on YouTube. They basically give you context. They have about 34,000, 34.6 thousand subscribers on YouTube and a little over 7 million views total. So I was really honored to get to work on this channel because these were experts in a very like blue collar field, I would say, right? Being a mechanic, being a classic car enthusiast, whatever, not tech or fitness or something that I might be used to regularly. And getting to see somebody in that niche take advantage of what's available online, doing this through YouTube, doing this through other forms of media. And I basically got to edit about six to seven shorts every single week from an archive of all the videos that they had. So basically getting to choose whichever one I wanted. And I did it all until we basically caught up to their current publishing schedule or whatever. And one of the things that I really loved was obviously the cinematography and the filmmaker who got to capture a lot of this beautiful footage for me to work with in the first place. But then also just the room for creativity that they gave me. I remember this moment so clearly where I was upgrading my toolbox, my skill set, my video editing skills. I was getting growing rapidly with a lot of clients. And so I wanted to bring that upgrade, that flashiness or whatever to this channel, right? Because I was like, okay, cool. They're going to really love it. And so an example of this is like emojis, right? Adding emojis on top of captions and using that as a pattern disruptor. And to take it a step further, being able to animate emojis as well. So you've probably seen that, right? Like the monkey covering its eyes, but then moving it side to side, for example. So adding even basic emojis on top of on top of their captions was something I was like, okay, let's start doing that. It does take more time to do that, to animate it. And what I remember getting back as one of our comments was like, oh, could we actually remove all of these emojis? And the reasoning for it was because their demographic was like, their top demographic was 55 to 65, I believe or 54 to 65, however that works. And I thought that was so fascinating because that audience I never get access to usually. I'm, it's usually what, 30 to 45-year-olds or 25 to 35 or I don't know. You just, you, it made me think like with my own content, maybe I might not get access to 55 to 65-year-olds, but getting to work on a channel and getting to extract that data, like what I learned from that was, okay, flashiness is great, for you know certain niches certain channels certain audiences but just because it is appealing to you like to me doesn't mean that it's going to be appealing to this specific demographic so always keeping the viewer and audience in mind is something that i was reminded of here and getting to learn that data point okay something you've learned and tested already is the 50 to 65 year old demographic doesn't need a lot of flashiness when it comes to their shorts. A lot of what we did and structured it was impressive already. And the moments that we selected were really more important here than the emojis that we were basically adding to spice it up. And the reason this framework of audience first is so valuable to me is because with a lot of clients, 
I found that they also are cool without some of these flashy effects, right? They need some of the basics because they're focused on maybe volume or they're focused on more of the actual content that they're discussing. I've had several clients who, when I ask them about their preferences in the beginning when we're onboarding, you know, they like minimalist styled stuff, right? And so why this is important is because in my workflow, when I have over 70 clients that we're managing, it's like spending an extra 30 minutes, an hour for some clips to add after effects and things that you're like, okay, this is nice. I, this is visually awesome. I'm proud to watch it. Maybe some of my peers, this would impress them, right? But it doesn't serve the audience. It doesn't serve the client. It's like that time was just wasted when I could have created a whole nother clip for my next project or whatever. So being able to clarify, I think, what the client wants, what the audience wants, and knowing that really well is so important. And I really do that in the beginning when I onboard people now because it saves so much time from being wasted in revisions and in things that we think or I think, oh, this is going to impress you, but like you're actually cool without it. You'd rather just prioritize your focus here. So it pays to learn what's important to somebody. And I think the big achievement out of that is not only do you end up with more satisfied users at the end of the day and you end up there more quickly, but you save yourself so much time from wasting on the wrong things. And if you look at any giant, and I've talked to clients in cybersecurity that come from the really big corporate world all the way to top marketing agencies and advertising agencies, and it's you see how much time is wasted stupid decisions like oh no this this logo isn't the right size and it's yes there are regulations and things in certain niches like pharmaceuticals and things like that but at the same time it's i heard gary vanderchuk say this it can't take 20 meetings and phone calls to post one tweet you just can't keep up with volume when you have to do that and so what i realized here is when you're trying to increase frequency or volume of anything it's like being bogged down by things that really don't matter for this context, right? For this project, it's such a quick way to speed up your process and work for a, it's such a quick way. If I found that it was such a quick way to speed up my process and workflow per clip, because I time all of this stuff in my time tracking template or whatever. And so I can see that right away. Not only is it saving me more time, but I'm ending up with a more satisfied user and client on the back end there. And you know what's crazy about all that is after getting to work on this channel, like without really having to promote that too much, I got a referral from this client for another car related channel. It wasn't just about classic cars on that one, but it's really cool because it shows you the power of a portfolio. What landed me the gig was them seeing a portfolio of some of what I did, okay? And then being like, okay, let's give this a test drive. I got a test drive for it. They were satisfied and they actually didn't reach out with the next project for a few weeks, but they basically were like, hey, like really impressed with what you did in that first with minimal direction and all this stuff. I'm looking for somebody long-term for this. Would you be willing to do this much per week? Here's my budget. Here's this. And it was just very straightforward. I was like, hell yeah, I'll do this, dude. And basically that 
getting to be something that I got to add to my portfolio. So as I got to do, I don't know, six, over the 10, 15 videos, right, that I, batches, I like to call them, right, where it's like inside of each batch, there's like six clips. So I got to edit some really cool ones that then became portfolio worthy. And then that actually helped me land a couple more gigs, right? It just showed me the power of focusing on what matters to your client, to your dream client, to your dream audience, your dream viewer, your dream listener, whatever, because I know that I can sit here all day and when you sit with peers, you can discuss best practices of everything, right? But those are still opinions of all your peers. This was very true in like the fitness coaching world for me. It's like, you really care what other coaches and people, trainers think, but it's like, what you should be focused on is who you're serving and what they think, right? What do they really care about? And, you know, when you identify the top things they care about and some of the things that aren't as important, that's how you can really prioritize quality and consistency in that deliverable. And then of course, this ability to scale, right? So me being able to edit for dozens and dozens of clients on a weekly basis would not be possible if I didn't think about the 30 extra minutes it took to add emojis and some after effects that like I ended up having to delete in a second round of revisions. So I hope some of the lessons that I shared with you today from this was useful. If you have any questions, of course, hit me up. I'd love to hear from you, but check out the links in the description below for free tools and all that good stuff. And I appreciate you hanging out. My name is Ms. Bahak, and I will talk to you soon.